Like, that's not a guy that we should be scoring on three times on a weekend. Those are like Bryce Luker numbers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 11 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Uh, Jeff Morris from UAHHockey.com was supposed to join us, but he wasn't feeling uh, good today after work, so he just uh, decided to cancel on us. I uh, hope you feel better, Jeff. Uh, before we get started, I'd just like to thank all of our patrons. We're only six away from me having to start the monthly recruiting podcast. If you'd like to join them and help us uh, hit our goal of 20 patrons, please check out patreon.com slash Guide. Uh, this week we're going to discuss the Fair State Series, uh, the current status in the WCHA, the Joe Sean R. comments, recruiting, and a preview of the Alabama Huntsville Series, plus your questions. Anything big I'm missing, guys? No, nothing big. I uh, know, Tim. I think you got it all. All right. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with the Fair State Series. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I've come to talk with you again. Uh, so, Dustin, you foreshadowed that just a little bit last week, and here we are a week later, basically uh, wallowing in the darkness that our team was unable to sweep fair state. And all in all, they just did not... And, and Mike Antlater kind of talked about this on our Slack chat, that they just don't look like they're... They're, uh, they have any desperation whatsoever for the moment that they're in. I, I think for the most part, I agree with that. But it does seem like every once in a while they show flashes of having that desperation. There were parts of the third period on Saturday that I think they did show, show some. And it led to the tying goal. And then, then they just proceeded to you know, give up the go-ahead goal. And, and I don't know. It... it I, I agree that it seems like they don't have that desperation, whatever that is. But it doesn't seem like it's something that is completely missing, right? It, it, it's fl it's in flashes. You know, and, and the other thing is, like, these guys aren't young per se, but they're young for hockey, especially our conference. And I think that some of that does come with youth, that you just don't quite know how. And, and when you don't have – like, we have good leaders, but they're not – the most skilled guys so like maybe they don't they're not able to show it and yet you know the the upperclassmen did show up they got most of the goals this weekend didn't they mm -hmm. 
both the goals on Friday night were scored by upperclassmen, and then I don't remember who scored Saturday. Was it Peritino? Peritino did. Peritino Saturday? Yeah. So that was the underclassmen, but like, um, it was nice to see that on Friday night that the upperclassmen stepped up and got some points and led the way. And I don't know the stats on it, but there were a lot of pipes and crossbars hit this weekend for Tech. You know, that shows how close they are to, like, you know, one of those goes in and either game is different with the gap and who knows. But but the other thing is they just haven't been able to find a way to get much on the power play. Like, I'd rather decline them right now. Yeah, when you can't score on a fiver, it, uh, it's depressing to watch. But you, you said, it, you know, you just get one more goal and they might be okay. But the problem to me is... Ferris is a team that, if 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 you're if you think you're going to make the NCAA tournament or compete for home ice, you should be beating Ferris comfortably. And yes, they definitely are there, and they're you know they're not a pushover, and they're going to play hard. But you should pull away. You should you should be beating that team comfortably if you're at a place that Tech wants to be at. Right. And I guess I didn't do much research to see like they hadn't been keeping it close. They've allowed like three point some goals a game. So it's not like they've been able to shut down people. I mean, until this weekend, they'd allowed five goals, five goals, four goals, five goals, five goals, two goals, six goals before us. And we can only put up three. So they've basically allowed at least four goals in every game. In the month of January, yeah. Going back to their series with Huntsville. Since then, they've allowed at least four every game, and we couldn't do it. Right. And the other thing that, that sticks out to me that I tweeted about on Monday was that this is the second week in a row that the goalie of the week for the WCHA is who we faced. Like, that's not a good trend. That's not the place you want to be. And they're not goalies that the rest of the year are, you know, well, Bemidji's goalies. Right? Driscoll's having a good year, but... Yeah, he, he's having a good year, but... Salman Kangas is, isn't lighting this league up. No, Salman Kangas is like not even somebody that you should be. Where is he even at? So on the season, Salman Kangas is al- allowing 3.47 goals a game, and his save percentage is 88.5%. Like, that's not a guy that we should be scoring on three times on a weekend. Those are like Bryce Luker numbers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> Nice mention there. Yeah, and I don't know what it is because what's that? Hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> something, <laughs> something tells me you don't have to be concerned. Like he's going to come get you. <laughs> I, I assume he lives in Canada, and we've had one listen all time from Canada, which I find odd, honestly. Hmm. I would have thought somebody up there would listen, or maybe they just haven't found it yet. I don't know. Maybe, they maybe don't have podcasts in Canada yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's just tough. And and I think if you, if you take into account all the pipes and, and that stuff, like, obviously that changes the game. And that's part of our problem. And, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, Jay-Z talked a lot on Monday in our Slack about, like, the recruiting future. And, you know, some of that might be why these guys are available for tech is that they're that they can't score they're more likely to miss the net when they get their chance than i mean but 
to say, some degree, but the Nets the same size in juniors, and there's guys in this team that scored plenty in juniors. Yeah, and I, and I don't know. You know, it goes back to Joe's analogy a while ago about the seeing net, seeing goal thing. And sometimes they're getting too cute, but other times they're just not finishing that chance they get, whether it's holding the puck slightly too long or going for one more pass that they don't need to take. But but the other problem is, is like you don't score on a D1 goalie, even somebody like Salman Kangas, without traffic usually. Like, one, like if it's you and a defenseman and the goalie, you basically, it's tough to score, period, at this level. So they might be getting too cute because of that, but sometimes, and the other thing I think that we pointed out on our, on our Slack chat was talking about how it never seems like that guy is there for the rebound or we're not shooting it right to force the rebound when we have a guy there. Yeah, and part of the problem is, and it's one of my pet peeves, is it, when you start to get too cute like that, it seems like the guys are trying to pick off that top corner, right? And when you miss when you're trying to hit the top corner, the puck goes into the corner and you don't have any chance for a rebound. And it usually turns into a turnover and it goes the other way. Or at the very least, it completely shuts down your offense in that moment. Either yes. way, no matter what, it typically ends your chance to score and you have to regroup mm-hmm. versus a lower shot. It can go off his chest and he might not glove it and it drops to your forward you right there. And you get a chance. And it, but if, you know, if, if you're a skilled forward and you have that shot and you can pick off the top corner, by all means, go for it. But when you're struggling to get a goal, you just got to get a dirty goal. And sometimes that means you shoot it and get the rebound, crash the net, and just try to get that dirty goal. And I don't think they're doing that right now. I think they're still trying to hit the corners, and and it seems like a problem that just snowballs. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's exemplified when they get the extra man and they're on the power play that they just aren't – they're playing too cute instead of taking that – that one timer when they get the shot just to get it on net and hope the guy out front gets the rebound if even if you don't make it and some like look at what happened on the we had the one goal deflected right mm-hmm. but was that Donahue's goal mm-hmm. it was deflected like you take the shot you don't know what's going to happen your guy could deflect it their guy t- could deflect it whatever like you take that shot yeah it's just it's frustrating pucks on net traffic in front and got to get you got to just crash a net when when there's a rebound there and yet they're not all going to turn into goals but you got a higher chance of getting a goal doing something like that than than just playing that finesse game all the time it, it, it and it really needs to be a combination of the two and i just think that when you're struggling to score it seems like the reason they're struggling to score is because they're focusing too much on that finesse game. And, and I, I don't know. I'm not a hockey coach, and, and I really don't know any, a whole lot about this other than what I've heard other people say. <laughs> so maybe I'm completely wrong, but it seems to me like no, you got you to gotta, you gotta get in there and scrap and, and get those dirty goals. And, and maybe that goes to what Joe is saying about needing to get you know more gritty-type players. Maybe, I mean – does that play into that? Do we need to uh, play more players that are willing to go in and take the beating that it takes to play in front of the net? Maybe, but it's you know you would think we have a couple of those guys, and and it just doesn't, um, it hasn't panned out. And I don't know what you 
uh, what you do to fix that in the moment other than harp on it and in um i mean i guess we can get into that now too about because i think that was next on my list was joe sean's comments but rob do you have any general stuff to talk about from the game more goals i mean well however you can get them i guess at this point or what needs to happen like dustin said one one more game right yeah one more goal right whether it's you know whether it's crashing the net or actually just making sure they go in and not at right at the goalie i mean so many of our shots seem to go right at the bread basket the other thing you saw a lot this weekend is you see the breakout start and we have an odd man rush and we somehow find a way to try and make this beautiful pass that has like a 5% chance of working. Like, you know, like on Monday night football or Sunday night football, when they show that like pro football focus odds of it working, like we're trying to make that precision pass that has like a 5% chance of working and it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden we didn't even clear the zone when we could have had a breakaway or a two on one. And they're just getting too cute. Instead of taking what's they, what's given to them, they're trying to force something pretty. And that's that's one of the other things I noticed a lot is how often we get the puck and we try and make a play that isn't really there for the small chance that we can be perfect and it doesn't happen. And then suddenly we're stuck out there when we should have gotten a change or could have gotten a rush. Well, like 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 we were talking about, before we started recording, I think one of the things that is very important as far as an analytical or advanced statistics in hockey is, is just that time of possession that you have the puck. If if you have the puck that your opponent doesn't, there's one puck on the ice, and if you have the majority of the possession, you are going to have that much better of a chance of winning games, scoring goals, everything. And if you're taking these low-percentage whether it's a, a shot where it's it's you miss the net or like you said a pass that has no chance of working and it just leads to a turnover you're just giving that that opportunity to your opponents and um I, I it's just kind of a mindset thing and I and I don't know I I guess I don't know what Joe's strategy is there or what his philosophy is when it comes to that type of play and and puck possession but that's you know that's kind of one of the things that i've learned just from just recently looking into the the advanced analytics and all the stuff that's all the new rage when it comes to sports and uh, that that um puck possession is 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 key and it makes sense if you have the puck obviously you're going to score and your opponent's not so the more higher percentage of time you have the puck and your opponent doesn't that just increases your chance of winning. Definitely. I don't think puck possession was a problem, though, this weekend. We had puck possession, it felt like, most of the game on Saturday. It's just that final scoring touch that seems to be what's missing. Taking the opportunities and actually converting them, that's where we seem to struggle. It's not having the puck. We had the puck. I felt like we were dominating Ferris quite a bit on Saturday. Just couldn't break it open and get going. Yeah, it definitely reminded me that uh, the Anchorage game that we almost lost. Right, like we should have lost to them, yeah, but we managed to pull and it out. And then once we broke the seal, we found a score, like, what was it, three goals or whatever? And and it kind of felt like when that Parentino goal came, 
that that's what was going to happen. And, you know, they talked about that on the show a little bit this week, but it never came or that goal came, but the, 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 the doors didn't open and it didn't suddenly just work from there. And then we had the breakdown to give up the lead or give up the, the tie. And, that, and that's fair, Rob. Um, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't watch. I just listened to the game sure. Saturday. So some of that doesn't translate quite as much. So I'll take it. Yeah, word no, for I felt like we, we were carrying the play for quite a bit of it. Obviously, it didn't come out with the win in the game because we had more goals scored against us. But I think it's, you know, you watch, if you watch soccer, right, that happens a lot of times. Some of the, the more higher powered teams, you've got a team that just parks the bus against them, gets a couple of breakaway goals, basically, you know, uh, counter goals, and you can win a game that way. I think that it feels like that happens to us more than it should because we just can't score. And then someone comes around, scores a couple goals, and us coming back the other way, where we've had the pressure on them. I mean, that's how that's how Saturday night game felt to me. And that's I, I that's exactly what I saw. I think it was the beginning of one of the Arizona State games before I got frustrated with the the crappy streaming video. <laughs> uh, I think it was Tech had a whole bunch of pressure, and then it, it just it went the other way, and they scored a, they scored on one of their early yep. shots and. And it falls apart from there. Yeah, and if Jerusalem had not had a good weekend, this could have been a lot worse because he made some big saves when they had those chances. I think both nights, more Friday night, like I felt like Tech controlled a lot of the play Friday night, the first period. And yet every time I looked at shots, it was like 7-2 to two Ferris, and it was like they couldn't hit the net when they got their chances where they ended up not even actually getting a shot off or it got blocked or whatever, but they had possession and it felt like they were controlling play. And then it go down to the other end and Ferris would actually get a shot on goal. And we would, and then we come back down and possess it for a while and get a shot or two, but they wouldn't count because they weren't on net. And, and, you know, when you have a goalie like that, that doesn't give up goals, you need to make sure you get them on him because he's less likely to stop them if you just get it on frame, but they're not, it doesn't always happen that way. So Do you, it seems like we've got players that have the ability to score goals, right? We've got you know, Bretzman and Hallinan and Bliss and Peratino, all, all our guys that seem like they have the goal scoring touch at times. Do we have enough playmakers? Do we have enough guys that can make that, you know, that just sweet pass to set up a guy like Bretzman? Are, is that what we're missing on this team? Uh, the the playmakers, not the guys that are looking to score, but the guys that want to, number one priority, set up their teammate to score. Yeah, and maybe that's part of the problem that goes back to the um, trying to be too cute is the playmakers or the scorers are trying to make the play too, and and that's not really what they're good at, and then or they're holding on to it too long because they're trying to get their own shot and it's not working. Because I think you might be right that we don't necessarily, we certainly don't have the blue liners to do that, and that's what we're that's what we're missing a ton of to me is the the ranky the, you know I don't want to beat Joe here and just rattle off every great defenseman <laughs> on my uh, all decade team, but like we've had a lot of great defensemen that can make that tape to tape pass on the breakout and hit. Like, as soon as the puck's turned over, if your forwards are busting for the far blue line, they could hit them on, on the tape and get that breakaway. We don't really have that right now. And if they're trying to make that play because they see the guy breaking, 
they're missing that pass and it's not even clearing the zone and then we're in more trouble because we've only got three guys to defend that same play. Going back to your analogy uh, when you're watching the Sunday Night Football and the PFF uh, percentage of score, uh, percentage that it, the pass is going to be completed, whatever it is, if you have one of those elite playmakers, you can live with those passes, just like when you're watching that on TV. Because he's going to hit one out of five instead of what the stat says, one out of 20. Like when you're watching that video, when, you know, Russell Wilson, I think, is half of the ones that they show on there, and he ends up, you know, when you're when you're that talented, you'll take those passes because they'll make them. Yeah, and because he also does a good job of, you know, the thing we're not doing a good job of is – my opportunity is to hit that guy, but if I miss it, I'm definitely clearing the zone yet, which isn't hurt. Like, we mm-hmm. might not make the pass, but I know I'm going to get it out of the zone yet, and that's the thing we keep struggling with is we're trying to make that pass. We're not getting it, and then it's back in our zone. We're on our heels. We've been out there too long or will be soon. You're getting close kind of thing, and it's just it's not panning out, and that's – we don't, uh, yeah, and maybe that's where a guy like Kateroth comes in because that's what he looks like he does is set it does up. Seem like it, yeah. He's got the size, and he's and it looks like he's the setup guy. And the other thing that I was thinking about is, other than Datama, who do we have on the team that's got that slap shot? Like, who are you going to set up for the one timer on the power play? We don't have that, do we? Or I haven't seen it. You, Rob? Did Hallinan have a couple of the one-timer goals off the edge of the power play? I think he had a couple early in the year that way. Okay, maybe. Maybe I just haven't. It's been so long. So are you suggesting that we just put Datum on the Ovechkin spot and just let him sit there? And Somebody needs to fill the Ovechkin spot for how many times <laughs> it's been mentioned on the Joe show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe talks about Ovechkin like three, yeah. three weeks in a row now. It might not be a bad idea, honestly. <laughs> well, it's something um, different. It can't hurt. Now, speaking of Datum on the line, Joe, they touched on that. He he's picked up a lot compared to the three penalty game. He goes up and down so fast <laughs> right now as he's growing. Well, and I think Joe, I think he made a good point. I think it was, I think it was post game this weekend where he said, like, it seems like Datum is responding a lot better when he's one of the six defensemen instead of the seventh defenseman, and when he's getting a regular shift in a game. And playing a like a regular rotation, he seems to be a little better. Whereas the game where he gave, took all those penalties, he was the seventh man and not getting regular minutes to get into the game and all that stuff. He looks good, and he's got that booming shot. And sooner or later, that's gonna start. Once he figures out how to get that thing, like once he gets a couple of those, like one or two of those in, I feel like he's gonna suddenly have twelve goals that you know, like <laughs> in like two months, like Fulton Reed. Yeah, once he figures it out. Well, I mean, he had a couple of spots, too. It's not just the, the big shot. He had a couple of really nice, you know, pinches and, and puck handles on the blue line to get around, the you know, the forward coming out on him. Yeah. And actually held on to the puck. And he had a couple of times, too, where that, I mean, he's got a wingspan, right? So he can reach for things that are way, way outside of the reaches of other people. And he, he used that well a couple of times. Well, at this point, if he's starting to figure it out and starting to turn a corner, then he should be in the in the top six every weekend. And I think he will be, especially when you, you know, you, he's got, what, they've got six games yet before they play Northern that you're like, you know, obviously we need to win, unlike this weekend where we didn't sweep. But, you know, you've got, the, the competition isn't as stiff. 
that he's got more opportunity to get a regular shift and it's not as much of a liability and he can keep growing and this is a good time for that. What else do we want to touch on from the Joe show? I do like that um, Joe is starting to refer to himself in third person. (laughs) I don't know if I like that, but I just want to point out that he is doing that. (laughs) And the analogy of the week, Dustin? Uh, The analogy of the week from the, the Joe Sean hour this week is... Division one hockey is like the special forces and D two and D three and club hockey. That's just the regular branches. Of- I listen on my drive home from, I'm I'm at a customer in green Bay every, every Monday. So I've got a 45 minute drive home and I legit thought I listened to the wrong week when he started talking about the basketball story again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he point blank said, like, I think I mentioned this like a week or two ago. And I was like, no, it was last I, week. I literally Joe. pulled off on an exit, <laughs> paused it, rewound. I'm like, and then, then Dirk said something about Ferris. I'm like, this is actually the right one. Okay. I can, I can get back on the highway now. Because <laughs> I, mean, I want to listen to the show. That's obviously one of the things we talk about, right? So I try to listen to it on my drive home. Right. And I, I thought I was listening to the wrong one. And I don't have, I don't have time to listen otherwise. <laughs> so. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting from from the show today that if you start talking about basketball, I don't know if I could say it's concerning or or, or I don't know how to take it, but it's I think Dirk asked Joe at one point if you get to the point in the third period when you need to have a, a goal and you or maybe it was an intermission, but you and you need to have a goal to tie the game or take the lead. Do you have a leader in the locker room that's going to step up and and rally the troops, rally the team? Yeah. And Joe said no. He answered that question no. That, but he's calling back to that comment from like early last season, isn't it? When was it Hallinan that was the one that said that? I don't know. That said, like, how can we hold others accountable when we can't hold ourselves or whatever? That's like a that's from like the middle of last season he keeps bringing that up too and like part of me feels like that's because I don't know it it's a weird place but you would think there's got to be somebody like and some of that too is part of it feels like some of that stuff is like sports movies versus reality Well you mean there's there's not a speech at every period where the coach goes in and yells a lot and then you come back out and have a montage of you scoring goals? Oh, who knew? Yeah, it's not all uh, Leonard Kenny hockey coach. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> That's become one of my favorite gifts to use in sports fandom is the kicking of the garbage can. I, I, tweet, I tweeted out way too many gifts this weekend. But yeah, depressing ones. I know, it just feels like we're so close to turning a cor- you know turning the corner with this team and they just can't get over the hump. That's the frustrating part to me. It does. And Joe's not wrong because I think if you if we actually got the stats on like like Joe said we allowed 7 scoring chances on s- Saturday total. Like that's we allowed two goals on those 7 scoring chances. So you're saying Jurisic isn't starting on Friday? Well, he he stopped, you know, it's the last one is the one that killed us, right? So he was one for six, which is fine. And then he gives up one on the seventh one to give up the lead or, give you know, to, to 
give them the lead. Our defense is good. Like, we should be able to win if we're only allowing seven scoring chances a game. And they had, what, 26 shots or something like that? And I feel like if you got our stats, that our scoring chances are probably closer to something like 20. So it's just a matter of finishing. And I think, you know, it's... I'm going back in my memory here, but I'm pretty sure it was my dad always says the Bob Mancini quote. They used to be some long lines of get to three goals first in a hockey game and you're going to win most of the time. We don't get to three goals a lot of the time. Yeah. Our, our, our offense is not helping the lockdown defense that we have. No. If you're going to play D like we do, you have to put up one or two goals and actually score a few to, to you know have the D behind you. I don't know. It's, like I said, it's it's the offense just needs to pick up. The production on the offensive side is just lacking. But you see flashes of what it can do. I mean, we've got games where guys have had hat tricks this year for the first time in years, but it's not consistent. And the other thing that's been shocking this year is we're not good at home. We're 10-5-1 and one when we don't play at McGinnis. And we're 4-7-2 and two when we do. Like, there's something weird going on there that they were not playing well at home and I don't really understand that one at all some of it's who we play we did but we did play Mankato and Clarkson at home two very good teams but then we lost to Alaska which Alaska yeah Alaska's doing really well this year getting anything away from those guys but where would Alaska be if we went three for four against them They'd be closer to Lake State right now. Yeah. That's that's fair. Yeah, like half the reason they're where they are is because they're 3-1 and one against us and pretty much 500 against everybody else, right? Except for last weekend, they didn't. They they got, what, one point against Northern? Those are some, those are some interesting games. I don't know if anybody stayed up and watched those, but uh, they were entertaining. I did, at least most of it. I stayed up. I watched all of Friday, and I watched most of Saturday. But my uh, my daughter likes to wake me up at 3.30 in the morning, and I can't really operate that way <laughs> too well. So um, I didn't stay up. I, I turned it off, and then I managed to like stay up looking at my phone way too long. But, uh, no, those were fun games, honestly. And, and they went – they really couldn't have gone better for Michigan Tech – you know, obviously Tech has to go out and win some games here, like the rest of them pretty much. But from a from a perspective of keeping home ice a possibility, they went the way we needed them to. Or Northern. Basically, you're rooting for Northern and Bemidji, except for when they play us the rest of the way. It gives us a better shot at home ice. I'm trying to think what else Joe talked about that I really wanted to touch on. Well, I have a big problem with one of the things that Joe said. Sure. Uh, he said that he wants players that play more like Marchand, and I can't disagree with that more. <laughs> he is such a nasty, dirty player that I don't want anywhere close to the game, and not any. I don't want that type of player anywhere close to the tech program. That I, I think that's a terrible. I think I missed that comparison. comment, but I mean, obviously, he does from a certain perspective because. That's why he was interested in a certain recruit that we'll talk about later. I don't see it. I mean, you, hard nosed hard nosed hockey is great, but when you're when you're playing dirty like 
like Marshawn does, that's that's bad for the game completely. Yeah. Parts of the game this weekend felt like throwbacks to some sad eras, but we weren't playing a team with Zach Parisi on the other side. You know, like right. We we have a team that's better than Ferris right now. Like, and and the biggest problem you have when you play teams like Ferris is you got to score that first goal and make them get out of their game to create more chances for you when they're trying to play catch up. The moment you give them the lead, you're playing right into what they want to do and they just shut down and they're basically playing your soccer counter style where they're taking you know they they get in a shell and they try and break you down and get your two get a two on one to get the next goal and that's all they're doing and you know Bemidji does the same thing and you just can't give up the first goal to the team like that you can't give them life you can't let them hang around you have to get your goal a period just to keep reminding them that you are the better team, and today is not their day. You know, the and longer they, you let them hang around, ch- and when they give you chances on the power play, you need to take advantage of them. Yeah, and that's that is probably the biggest indictment on the team is they just their power play does has has never looked good. Even when it's scoring, I can't say that I felt like it's ever really looked good for a long time. And I don't know what what that is. If it's because we don't really have that annoying guy to park in front of the net or what that we're missing i don't know what it is well i think we should i think we i like the idea that we came up with uh putting datum uh, right in the ovechkin spot and yeah just what's the him, worst thing that can happen just keep uh breaks the glass behind just the have, net. <laughs> yeah just have all four guys along the along the half wall on the other side passing them between each other till they they come over to actually defend it and then pass it over to datum for the one-timer right that's it that makes sense. Do 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 they have a do they have a real good quarterback of the power play to you know at Ford like, Ford has been out for the last yeah, couple yeah, weeks. I think that's, I think that's what's a big made problem. Has, I think you're I think right. you're right, Rob. That that's that's where Ford is missing. Yeah, his and, his and, quarterbacking you know, of one of the power, the power play units has been. I have to go back and look at actual stats and see, but I think and it, just, it feels that way is that his his quarterbacking of the power play unit being the guy up top to distribute and move things along quickly is something that's definitely missing. Yeah, because that's... And I think that's the biggest flaw we have from our blue liner game is that quarterback, that that uh, fully offensively skilled that guy that can handle that. defenseman. Yeah. We have a lot of guys that are all around good, but nobody that's like... And, and I think that's one of the biggest indictments on this team is that a guy like Sawyer who put up good points in the USHL just has not really developed at this level to the point where like I would expect him if he was like if he's on the same path as like Bretzman and and uh, Bliss like he should be top five on the team in scoring right now he should be quarterbacking one of the power plays like that's what I would have expected from him and it hasn't really happened yet and I'm not sure why I don't have you know it's not like we get to go to practice or really get to watch in depth on the game and that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's what's missing, and and I don't necessarily see that amongst the guys who are committed either. Maybe uh, Devorny, but no, I don't really see it there either, so I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a tough spot. 
I said, I just feel like we're one or two goal scorers away from being. You sound like my MLS team's coach. We're one or two good players away, he says, every transfer window. <laughs> my baseball team is one or two starting pitchers away. And that's been that way for how long? <laughs> no, usually they're three or four. Three or four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they signed a third baseman for like $25 million a year? Yeah. I mean, as someone who's been a Bears fan for most of my life, the whole defense is good, but the offense is, doesn't doesn't carry on that side until the defense breaks down. Yeah, I know this story. <laughs> what else we got? Let's talk recruiting. Recruiting. So I promised you guys last week that when he committed, I would tell you his name. Michigan Tech was interested in a kid named Tanner Edwards who plays for Muskegon. The most interesting thing with him that came out when I was looking up stats on him last week or the week before? Last week. Last week. I think you should just list the one game number before you even list the overall number. The overall? Yeah, let's start with the one game number first because the one game number is impressive on its own. He's going to Minnesota, right, you said? Minnesota State? Minnesota State, yeah. He's got more, guys. He's got more penalties. <laughs> there he is. I found him. You know, he's going to be a guy in two or three years. We're talking about being pissed off about something he's done in games. I guarantee it. He's going to be like that guy from Huntsville that was that by even by the, t- by the time he was left, the Huntsville fans were said, we need to get rid of this bum. So his his <laughs> first game or second game back from suspension, he got 15 more minutes in penalty. Jeez. All right. So the guy's name is Tanner Edwards. On January 4th, 2020, he got 56 minutes in penalties, including two fighting majors, a penalty for staging a fight because he literally got a roughing minor with the player on the other team. They sat in the box for two minutes each. They both came out of the box and immediately fought each other. So he is currently, he's got three games, four, one, two, three, four, five games this season this season where he's gotten a game misconduct it looks like he's got five games where he's got at least 15 penalty minutes so he got a fight and he got the 10 minutes game or 10 minute misconduct i don't think they do game misconducts for that necessarily yeah so in the the game that he had 56 minutes in addition to the two fights he also had three roughing penalties yeah in the same game he's he's the millennial ogie oglethorpe (laughs) But he currently has 19 points in 27 games for Muskegon, and he is, what is that, eight penalty minutes short of having twice as many as number two in the league. And that's with a lot of games suspended. (laughs) Well, number two has only played 24 games because he's been probably suspended as well. But number three is right there with... uh, He's played 35. Let's let's see what he did in his first game back or the second game back from suspension. The fight. It's just a fight. It's a fight. I'm guessing that's what a 15 minute. More than likely it's. it's, He got a. No, it's not. He got a major roughing and then a game misconduct. Okay. So he's probably suspended for like two more games. So it wasn't a fight. And his teammate, Grant Doctor, future Husky, got a two-minute tripping penalty. Yeah, so I think he's got a couple majors, a few fights. 
He took his skate off and tried to stab somebody <laughs> in one game. He's he's like Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Without the slap shot. Without the slap shot. Yeah. And he and he committed to Minnesota State University uh last week, so we can talk about him now. Um so great, we get to deal with him on the other side of the ice. So obviously there's a reason Joe and the gang were after him if if a school like Minnesota State was interested. I'm not sure I see it because I just, you know, you get scared when you see a kid, like, who's been suspended. Where is it here? Tanner, Tanner, Tanner. You know what the most amazing thing about that game he had 56 minutes of penalties in? What? He was plus two in that game. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So Tanner Edwards has been suspended five different times for a total of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. Oh, that one was for contact to the head. That's Although, good too. So so three of those suspensions, seven of those games were related to the one game. Uh where he was the aggressor on a fight. He had a second fight in the same game and a stage fight. I think that got reduced to four games. But uh that's his. What was his major penalty in his last game? His last game, it contact was contact to the head. No, that was the uh, um, major for roughing. Major for roughing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what you have to do it in roughing to get a major, but I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> good. We got one question internally from uh, Jonathan Zamedas, our series preview guy. He asked uh, Mel pulled a lot of. Uh, Canadian ju- uh, players from Canadian Junior Leagues. While well, Joe looks to be more focused on the NAHL and USHL, is this a good or bad thing given the difficulty Tech has at recruiting compared to, say, Michigan or UMD? Um, I th- uh, personally, I think the biggest reason for that change is a guy like Mil- Billy McCult isn't on the staff anymore. So, you know, our three coaches... None of them are Canadian. None of them have, like, I'm sure they have connections, but they're not as strong as a guy like Bill McCult, who, uh, you know, played in Merritt, was probably one of the best players that ever came out of Merritt, and he probably has connections with coaches all over that league to draw from. Most of our players that are playing in the BCHL are actually, like, uh, Americans who that playing style suits them a little better than the USHL or they're not, they didn't make a USHL roster out of camp. And instead of going to the NEHL, they went to the BC league because, uh, because of the connection or whatever. But I do think it's surprising that we haven't done a better job of pulling BC league because I feel like that's always been a, a strength because they're, they're wild cards up there. They don't have a connection to a team per se that you can go get a kid, but, we also, like I just said, like even under the Russell era, Russell's from BC, and a lot of the staff is was from Canada. That you have a better better connection there. I think it's been really good, honestly, what Joe's been able to do from the other Canadian leagues, where he pulled a guy like Parker Soretsky. Like I, I don't think you really usually look at a kid that plays in those the the Midwest or the Prairie state or the prairie provinces Wasn't he from alberta oh maybe he's alberta i don't know or saskatchewan, alberta and saskatchewan are both the prairie you provinces do find, you're good you still do there find, on the geography side of things <laughs> yeah. 
you do find some if if you look at the recruiting lists from those especially Alberta it's it's one of those leagues that if you look at the top of it and the top few kids are generally ones that are going to you know are pretty highly regarded recruits yeah they're going to North Dakota and Denver there's a handful of kids and then it falls but after off like really the top quickly. 10 they fall off and usually those kids seem like the year before they go they end up in BC Yes. And they get to finish there. Um, but it's been really good to see what they have done. You know, and and some of it too is the um you know Michigan Tech's at its best when it's able to you know, when when you have that family connection with uh Pietala or Tanner Caro. But even like you go look back at Tanner Caro when he committed, he was in the NAHL, and he blossomed and became a scorer in the USHL the year before he came to Tech. I don't, you know, I think that's a kid who originally they probably got to commit on limited money, knowing that there's a chance he develops into something. But the reason he went to Tech isn't necessarily because he's from from he's a local kid. It's because nobody else was all that interested at the time. And he developed, much like a kid like Alex Nordstrom right now. Can you look him up, Dustin, how he's doing this year? Yeah, I, I, just, I actually just had him up on my on my iPad here. Because he's kind of a great comparison to me to a Tanner Carroll where we committed him when he was still in high school, right, I think? Let's see. So he, Well, no, I guess it was not that long ago. But when we committed him, he was not in the USHL. He was still in the NAHL, I believe. No, he he played in the AJHL. Yeah, he played in AJ, Canada. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he went up to Alberta. Um, so he's actually um, he's got twenty points in thirty one games. So he's right there with Tanner Edwards. He's he's got more points per game than Tanner Edwards. He's got about uh, I don't know a sixth to a seventh eighth of the penalty minutes. Yeah, he's only got twenty three penalty minutes. <laughs> Much better. Uh, nine goals and eleven assists. Yeah, so you know that's a kid where. You know, he might, you know, that could be a kid that ends up d- developing into a something like a, a Tanner Carroll, you know, Hancock kid that probably wasn't expected to do much, probably wasn't recruited much by other teams. And here he is putting up very, very respectable numbers in the USHL on a pretty good team, right? Fargo. He plays for Fargo. Yeah, he plays for Fargo. And he's putting up pretty decent numbers as a rookie in the USHL, and that's a tough league. And and he's not. It's, and it's not like he's twenty; he's nineteen. Yeah, I think it's a pretty positive sign that uh, he's he is and developing. He started, and, and he started and the year eighteen. He's so heading the right yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, he's fourth in points on on Fargo. So really, if the, if the, if so, the other thing I should say now that we're talking about recruiting is I did do I did do some legwork on. Uh, recruits beyond the whole Tanner Edwards thing and the recruiting grid and the recruiting list have been updated so you can go take a look at that on our website at techhockeyguide.com uh, so right now I've got Evan Orr and Frank Devorney coming in next year as defensemen with Grant Doctor possible but possibly not right now kind of on the fence there and then I've got 
uh, Alex Nordstrom, Carson Bantle, and our newest recruit Arvid Kataroth coming in next year, and then uh, Nick Nardella also coming in this uh, next season. I think I had originally had Blaze Richard coming in next year. I pushed him back. I after doing some research, it looks like he's been injured. I think that's the one that's injured. I have to do a little more double checking on that. And and part of um our discussion on the Slack chat today about the recruiting stuff was Jay-Z trying to look at the future and just be like, so so where are the kids? Like who do we have committed that's gonna be the next Helen and Bliss Bratzman type or, you know, how is the future brighter than the present? And and I basically look at Carson Bantle. It's hard not to when you have a kid who's, what, what is he, 18? Where's right? he at now? He was in Madison, right? Where did he go to he's after? Sti- he's, he's still, still in, in Madison. Madison. He's about the only bright spot in Madison right Okay, now. I thought Grant, he had left Madison Grant, for some no, reason. Grant Doctor's the one that's left. Oh, he's okay, been traded gotcha, gotcha. twice since Madison. He spent a month in Des Moines, and now he's in Muskegon with whatchamacallit, and we'll have to talk to Tom Leonard at he's some lear- point about... He's learning the ways of Tanner Edwards. <laughs> yeah. Muskegon. So he can... Uh, yeah, so so one of them's the Sith Lord. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, yeah, the, you look at the, the forwards coming in next year. Nick Nardella, from all indications that I've seen, Reminds me a lot of a CJ Ike. I don't know if he has that speed, but he feels like that guy that's going to be, you know, a fourth liner that's going to play a lot on the penalty kill and be a role player, spark plug type. And then the other three forwards are all guys that can come in and put up points. And I think that's a good mix to add in with what we have. It'll be interesting to see. I have not heard um, any rumblings of players despite what we talked about last week you know i don't have any indication that there's that there's a a beretta or gould type player on this team that's that's had enough of the situation i I would be very surprised if everybody came back i would too i just don't know who but but you have to look at um meek and russell and maybe a Buckley as the type of guys who might just because they're not making it. But then you really wonder what opportunity they have elsewhere when they're not even making the lineup for another coach to see that possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes it tough. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what else to talk about on recruiting. We uh, Looking through other things, it was interesting to see that the top uncommitted defensemen and points, I think it was, in the uh, NAHL is a guy named that I mentioned. Yes, he played for Frolunda. Yeah, so a former teammate the of Indians. Arvid Kataroth is a dude named Hampus. Hampus? Hampus Rydquist? That's not the first time I've seen that first name today. There's a Hampus really? on, on uh, is it Bemidji maybe? There's a Hampus that's in the, what, in the NHL. Hampus Lindholm, I think. There's a Hampus that plays in the WCHA right now. Hampus like Snowden or something like that. Snow, so he plays for there. Maryland in the NHL. Five foot nine, twenty years old. One of the leading scorers among defensemen in the NHL, and he was a former teammate of Arvid Kadarov. So maybe there's a possibility there. 
Um, your were those guys decommitted? These two? I really like the idea of getting more Swedes on the team. Me too. We need to fight like the that. Finns. Fight the Finns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hampus Snowdal plays for uh, Bemidji right now. Is also from uh, from Sweden. All right. So two other names to keep an eye on. We we really don't. I haven't gotten any hints from anybody on these, but they seem like good targets. One's uh, Jesse Tucker, who plays for Green Bay under Pat Mickish. So anybody there that's worth their, worth going D1 is obviously somebody we should probably be keeping an eye on with the connection to the program there. And he recently decommitted from... I don't know how recently, but he has decommitted according to Heisenberg. From Western? Uh, he decommitted from Lake State. Lake State, okay. Yeah, so... Who knows what that really means? And then the other one was Travis Trelor, also in the USHL for Lincoln, a little bit younger. And he decommitted from Western Michigan, from according Western. to Heisenberg. Okay. So those are two guys to keep an eye on. Don't really know. Uh, both of them are pretty good points-wise. Both of them are, are pretty good points-wise. Uh, Trelor uh, actually also has a connection to Frolunda. Okay. He played. He's from Sweden and played for Frulunda as well. Okay. Yeah. So maybe not on a team with Kataroth, but was there. Yeah, I don't know if the, all the years lined up. You would think that there's a possibility that one of those two guys is somebody that Tech is interested in as as a potential, you know, come in immediately and try and be a top six forward out the gate kind of guy. But we'll see. I don't really have much more to say on that. Series preview for Huntsville. Uh, don't lose. You know, yeah. one other thing that I found interesting this year is I don't know what your perception, Rob, from watching the Bemidji series, because Dustin, you didn't really get to, but I guess you listened, didn't you? I listened, yes. So the one thing that I noticed that really stuck out to me about Bemidji is the misfits were not there. There was zero tech chanting at that series. Now, we haven't been good at home, so obviously I don't know how much that plays into it. But one thing that I've always been proud of is how much pretty much every road game, you know, at Arizona State, you know, there was a presence. That didn't happen in Bemidji because the Misfits didn't travel because they're traveling this coming weekend, which I think is awesome. So that'll be nice to see how much that helps, like, keep the team going, maybe if they have some adversity down there. Hopefully they don't, and hopefully it's... Uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. Huntsville's a little bit worse than Ferris. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. We're not in a good place right now, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't go down there and sweep them. You know, it's a long trip, but the Misfits are going to be there. I don't know how big a crew is going, but I think that's a good thing from that perspective that we have a chance to have the t- to have the fans down there and not just have it be... Well, you're going to be there, aren't you, Rob, or no? No, I'll be in Nashville for training like two weeks later, so we're oh, not going to make it for this one. not to go, huh? Okay. Well, that, may, that makes me feel better that I'm going to be watching from South Texas instead of Alabama as well. I'll be in the UP. In the UP. You'll be in the UP. I'll be in the UP. Snowmobiling? Snowmobiling. So I think that helps the team. I don't know what else to really say. I'm just impressed the Misfits, I mean, are putting together a trip to go down to Nashville on a bus. That's that's good work. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I haven't heard numbers, and maybe when 
Jeff dropped out, we should have tried to get Evan on to talk about it a little bit. Speaking of Jeff dropping out, I'm Jeff. If you're listening to this, um, you're gonna have to call in some other time because I've been watching The Expanse, <laughs> and you're a rocket scientist, <laughs> and oh, do I have questions? <laughs> where, where, where he's just basically gonna go? Yeah, just. Just pretend it works, because it doesn't really work. <laughs> I've played Kerbal Space Program a little bit. I know something about, you know, rockets, I guess. <laughs> what are the questions you got, Dustin? I can try to fill in. <laughs> I'm going to have to write some down, I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I don't know what else to say, except much like last weekend, it's a weekend we should sweep, but we didn't. So I don't know <laughs> what really to think. Um. You know, Tech needs to sweep this weekend. If Tech can sweep and Bemidji State can take most of the points from Bowling Green, we're basically in position to be tied for... If we sweep, we are tied for a home ice spot going into the following weekend because Alaska's off. If Bemidji State sweeps Bowling Green and we sweep Huntsville, we are basically, I wouldn't say in the driver's seat because we'd lose the tiebreaker to... Uh, Alaska, but we're we're even though uh, Bowling Green has games in hand on us, they're behind more than six points, so we're fine. So that'll be the other series for Tech fans to watch is to see what happens there if we win, and that's really what it comes down to here. Is there's the the margin for error is basically zero now. They need to win the next six games to have a chance at home ice. They've put themselves in this spot with hiccups the last three weekends that, you know, it's hard to rag on the team too much on some level because I do think a lot of it is related to getting sick at the wrong time. Yeah, they got sick at the wrong time. And even even though they might be feeling better, that's different than being able to be 100% when it comes to being an athlete. and And you can tell that, at many points over the last three weekends, the gas tank has been empty before the game has ended compared to earlier in the season where it felt like they found another gear at the end. Not that you want to rely on that all the time, but the fact that it seems like it's gone now seems like an indication that the stamina isn't there or isn't what it was, and that's really hurting them at the moment. Anything else about that series? Otherwise, we can kind of go into a, a couple, little bit more of our predictions, guys. I don't. I don't know what else to say about it. It's. I mean, it's so difficult to. I don't know. It, it, I. I don't know what to expect from the team. So. I don't know what else well, to I say. Well, I expect a sweep, but but it hasn't worked out that way the last three weeks. So, who knows? Right, but to, for this team to actually like show something that it's getting back to where it should be, a sweep isn't good enough. If they go and they win two two to one games against Huntsville, I'm not going to have warm and fuzzy feelings about it. No, that's true. I mean, you really want our results to be if you if you're legitimately a team that should be that that wants to have home ice and deserves to have home ice, you should go down to Huntsville and you should win four one both nights. Yeah, put up an extra point one night. Do something like that, like, you know, maybe get a shutout. Probably not, because that just doesn't seem like the way we, like, we play good defense, but we don't seem to quite get that. But, yeah, 
you know, score seven, eight goals on the weekend and give up two. That's what you need to do to show that you, like, you are back to where you need to be. And then hopefully the offense continues over the next four weeks, you know, including the, you know, there's a buy in there. but With three power play goals. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the power play clicking. And maybe Ford will be back. I don't know. We haven't really talked about that when he's supposed to be back. If it's now or if or if, if he's not quite ready, so maybe he won't travel again and they'll save him for Carnival. I don't know what they're going to do. But that that would be nice to have him back for the power play or find something else. So predictions for the series? You go first this time, Tim, because you always complain that you don't get to go first. Thanks, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> I picked Tech to sweep. I think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of the games is 2-1, to one, you know, a narrow victory, and the other one is more what we're looking for, a 4-5. I'll, I'll take I'll take a 2-1 Friday win and a 5-2 Saturday win for Tech. Rob? I'm going to go for a sweep as well, just because that's what needs to happen. And like we've been talking about, right? It's, But I think they're going to be two close games. I don't think offense is going to start clicking. It just it hasn't been there. I don't think this is going to help. But, so I'll go with a couple of close ones too, a, a 3-2 and a and a one nothing. Dustin? I'm going to say a split because I'm down on the team right now. I, I just I don't like what I saw last weekend. I didn't like what I saw against Bemidji. I think they find a way to lose one of the games this weekend, and it's a split. And you could be right. Hopefully you're not, but you certainly could be. I hope I'm wrong, but that's that's kind of what I think is going to happen. So the other big series this weekend from the conference standpoint is the Bowling Green at Bemidji State. You guys want to take a crack at that one? Dustin? Sure. I'm going to say it's at Bemidji. Yep. Uh, Bemidji sweeps. Rob? I'm going to agree with Dustin. Bemidji took one from uh, Minnesota State this weekend at home, right? I mean, right. they're a team that locks people down at home, doesn't let them score, and frustrates the hell out of them. It wasn't that long ago we didn't think that Bemidji was for real, and they hadn't played anybody. Well, the last couple weekends they've played for some pretty good hockey, so they're probably better than we thought they were. And confident, too. That's the other thing, right? I mean, I don't think Bemidji's going to get all six just because it, Helps tech too much, so I'm gonna <laughs> go with the I'm gonna go with the split this weekend. But I have a feeling it's gonna end up being one of them ends up going to shootout or uh, three on three. But I'm not gonna predict that, so I'll just call the split for that one. Is there anything else worth talking about? Who does Northern play? Northern hosts Ferris. Ooh, that's a oh, good series, Ferris. <laughs> so, so we get to learn just how bad we are that we didn't. Sweep them because Northern will probably put up. I think yeah, Northern will roll. Northern them. will probably put up like eight on the weekend and allow two like we should against. Huntsville. Northern seems like they're playing better. They're turning it on yeah. at the right time of the year. Yeah, that Cornell experience seemed to help them. The only reason that you could maybe think they won't get the sweep is the travel, you know, going from Cornell to Alaska and back home now. Yeah, they're back home, though. They come back home. Nice nice to be back home. Yeah. And Ferris isn't good. The one other thing that I wanted to bring up that really doesn't have anything to do with us other than the fact that we did a uh, a April Fool story that relates to this last year, I believe, or two years ago, I don't even remember anymore, was 
somebody on my Twitter feed, I don't really know why this Bo Marshwick is on my Twitter feed, but they were. I don't know why it came up. But Bo compiled a list of all the uh, USA hockey stats for women and girls that play hockey. And the state of Michigan ranks, what is it, one, two, three, four, fifth in the country in participation for women and girls hockey. That's that's a sign for USA hockey. Behind Minnesota's first, Massachusetts is second, New York is third, Wisconsin is fourth, and Michigan's fifth. And my tweet was basically, you know, on this list, Wisconsin, or they have 5,000 people registered to play hockey in Michigan. I guess most of the people in Michigan that are registered are women that are 20 or older, but at the same time like that they're basically the fourth most people registered and they don't have a division 1 women's hockey team. And I don't really understand it. I've never understood it. It's the reason we did the April Fools story about Michigan Tech starting a women's team. It's the reason that Northern or somebody should start a women's team in the state to give the girls in that state the opportunity to earn a scholarship to play hockey in the state of Michigan. They have seven Division I men's teams. There is absolutely no excuse for that state not to have a women's team, and especially for them to still not have one in 2020. Especially considering the fact that some of those athletic departments are Big Ten athletic departments with money to throw around. There's no reason that Michigan and Michigan State shouldn't step up and participate in in the women's D1 hockey. There's no way they will, though. Do you see any, any chance that they that those two ever will? The only way I see it is if it, it makes sense to me that the only way they're going to do it is if somebody like Northern does it and succeeds. Yeah, I, I, th- I think there's a better chance that either Tech or Northern does it before Michigan and Michigan State. And the other name I've heard a lot is Oakland. They'll start both when they start hockey. Oh, that okay. I can see that. But it, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't seem appropriate for a Big Ten university in a state that's that, – it's not like hockey's not popular in the state. That's what I'm getting at. Like they have – yeah, Michigan has the fifth most U14 players in the country. Did Wayne State have a women's team? I don't know if they did. I don't believe so. I don't think they did, but I just that, thought that'd of that. be the only one that could have been. But they cut hockey. Period. If they did, yeah, I, just... I don't remember if, when they cut if they had a women's team too. But the only the only women's teams that I know of that have gone defunct are Findlay and North Dakota, which that one doesn't make any sense either. That's no, that one is just sad. They should have never cut that team. Whatever reason they had for cutting that, it was complete bull. Because that was a good program in a place where they have support. Like, I guess I don't know how attendance was for women's games. There was a women's program at Wayne State. It ended in 2011. Okay. Anything else at all? Nope. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. According to the stats I found, nobody listens to this part anyway. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting 
patreon.com slash tech hockey guide patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic mtu jersey patch and access to extra podcast content including the unpublished episode zero if we get a few more followers or a few more patrons i will start doing a monthly recruiting podcast follow us on twitter at chasing mac pod or at tech hockey guide you can submit questions to our email address chasing mac at tech or reply to our twitter or tweet about it or on discord or on uh, or not yeah or on discord or on facebook don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on apple google spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you can't find the podcast on your site of choice please let us know and we'll make it happen Please check out Johnson's Zameda series previews every Friday. Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. There should also be semi-regular content on Monday, Tuesday going forward from Matt Cavender and myself. Uh, before you hear this, you sh- I think this Tuesday, by the time you hear this, the first part of our all-decade team will be out with the forwards. And then before our, we record the next podcast, I think next Tuesday, the defensemen and goaltenders will be out uh, so you can check that out as always special thanks to mitch lake for being kind enough to record a new introduction for the podcast and our patron saint doc mcresin for his generous donation to get this thing running we hope you enjoy also thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode if you like what you hear check them out at the thank you notes.bandcamp.com look at that funky hipster with that black Denim stare with your yellow sunglasses and your slick back hair. Look at that funky hipster with your shiny touch screen. Is your wallet made of nylon? Do it smell plastic green? Look at that funky hipster on your brand new bike. Some
funky hipster. Yeah.